This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. Listeners, heads up. This conversation includes a lot of adult language. My guest talks about sex and she uses profanity. So perhaps listen to this one when kids are not around. You're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Sam Sanders. Why does Sam look lost? Because <laughs> I am. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. Did you think you're trying to, you, you finding yourself right now? It's been, it's been a journey. My guest this episode is Tiffany Haddish. First of all, first of all, never heard no black person like, I gotta go find myself. No, that's white people. <laughs> you never hear, like, I gotta go backpacking through Europe to find myself. That's, that's, that's white kids now. Like people say, you ain't never hear no black person like, I gotta go find myself, I'm finna go to Africa. Except for like maybe Dave Chappelle and me. (laughs) 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 Tiffany is so much. Actress, comedian, author, and all-around funny person. And Tiffany, she has had a really busy year. When we talked, she was drinking out of this branded swag cup for one of the shows she hosts, Friday Night Vibes, this movie showcase on TBS. Okay, what is that? Friday Night Vibes... On a Monday morning, look at you. Yes, drinking coconut water. Wow, I tried coconut water once, coconut. didn't like it. Okay, did you try it out of a bottle or did you try it out of actual coconut? Out of a bottle, and I was like, this is... Yeah, and it's nasty. You know why it's nasty? Okay, so coconut. Tiffany also hosts Kids Say the Darndest Things on CBS. And Tiffany starred in perhaps my favorite movie from 2021 so far, the prank film Bad Trip. Also, one more thing. Tiffany is the voice of a very self-confident toucan named Tuca in the animated series Tuca and Birdie. And her co-star in this show, comedian Ali Wong, as Birdie, a song thrush. I just need to see a good drink for like a session or two. Then boom, no more panic attacks. Easy. Aw, I thought I was your panic mechanic. I can't always rely on you. Plus, you're busy going on all of your dates. Online dating sucks. I can't encapsulate my raw, enigmatic allure in a profile. Tuka and Birdie just returned for its second season on Adult Swim. All right, we cover a lot of ground in this interview. I talk with Tiffany about her many projects and her hopes and dreams for the entertainment industry. And she also told me perhaps the craziest Nicolas Cage story I have ever heard in my life. All right, let's get to it. We'll begin with Tuka and Birdie. If you could be any bird, what bird would you be and why? Oh, if I could be any bird in the whole wide world, I would want to be... A beautiful one of those macaw parrots, the big parrot, the red, or I would oh, yeah. want to be a blue one. I would want to be a blue one though, with the okay. with the beautiful colored wings underneath. And I would like just like go, what's up? What's up? What's up, y'all? What's up? What's like up, that. y'all? She ready? She ready? She ready? She ready? Like, yeah, I would yeah. want to be a bird that could talk. For sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, so this show, Tuka and Birdie, for those hearing this interview, watching this interview, who haven't watched the show, tell them what the show is briefly. So Tuka and Birdie is a cartoon, an animated series about two birds, uh, female birds in their mid-30s that are dealing with real-life issues, but in a humorous way. One of them has... 
you know, the challenge of finding the right therapist. You want me to cut Tuca? Out of your life, yes. And ditch the boyfriend, too. I suggest a full relationship detox. That's terrible advice. What kind of therapist are you? I specialize in severing attachments. And the other is like trying to, you know, deal with not being an alcoholic anymore. It's harder for me, Tuka. You know that. I can't just get naked and jump in a pool like you can. I never asked you to stay sober for me. Well, I wanted to, but... Why would you lie about it? I don't know. Finding their place to fit in the world, um, but still be open and, and vulnerable, but be guarded at the same time. Yeah. I like that your character Tuka in the show, she's kind of a hot mess, kind of impulsive, doesn't always have her stuff together. Um, what characteristic of Tuka do you most see in yourself? Um, I most see the uh, I can do anything aspect of yeah. her. That's definitely yeah. a lot of me. I wish I had a driving force like that. A thing I'm so good at, it kicks the asses of all the other things I'm good at. But I'm equally exemplary at all things. Damn, my extreme competency. I really believe I can do anything. I might not be the best at it, but I can, I'll try it. That That's me. Go. And she's a really good, even though she might be kind of into herself a little bit, which I guess I can be that too. Um, but she huh. really cares about her friends. She really super yeah. cares about her friends and will do anything yeah. for her friend. And that yeah. is me 110%. I ride for my friends. Because I feel like that's a family I made. Like, yeah. You have the family that God gave you, but and that's what I feel like is the dynamic between Tuka and Birdie. They made this this sisterhood together. So this show goes very deep into the complexities of deep female friendships, and all of the reviews talk about how it's really awesome to see friendship explored in this way. I'm wondering if doing the show, voicing the show, has changed the way that you look at friendship yourself. No, it hasn't changed the way that I look at friendship at all. I think my friendships are like the most important thing in the world. And yeah. I I focus on them. Like I've always focused on them. I guess I feel like because coming out of foster care, you know, it, in that system, I was building family. I was building friends. And, and I think of my friends. Several when, times when, over. Right. And when I call you friend, I'm calling you family, really. Um, yeah. If I call you, if I'm like, that's that's my boo, that's my associate, you know, we we cool, that's the homie. You know, that's the homie. Yeah, but you're not really uh, my friend. You're, you're not, not, not somebody the that friend I can. Friend tier is family tier. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. I get that. For me, anyway. Yeah. So besides when Tuka and Birdie, I just watched you, I, I think I watched that movie four or five times, and I interviewed Eric Andre about it. Uh, Bad Trip, what I think is one of the best films I've seen in the last several years. Um, I cannot speak highly enough of this movie and your role in it. Um, you've talked about it already, but I just got to ask you about it again. How much fun was it? Because it looked so much fun. It was super fun. It was really fun to be able to play like a hard ass and like be in the moment in improv. Like, okay, we know what the bones of the sketch is. We know what we're trying to get out of these people. Go for it. And it's like, yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. There were some parts that was really scary for me. Like, Like what? Like when I got into it with that with the with the white man, you know, and I'm arguing with him like I know you know them. I know you know them. This is you. I know. Your name is Craig, right? It is. And I don't Where know. is these dudes at? Dude, I don't know. But when you at. see them the next time you see these let them know I'm gonna kill their ass. Well, I ain't got your car and stop so, yelling at me. No, you know where my car at, Craig. 
seen your ass on Facebook and everything with them. What the f Where's my car at? Ask your brother. What? Tell me where my brother is. That one right there, I thought he was going to punch me. I really was like, oh, they're going to okay. securities. Yeah, y'all going to have to drop these cameras y'all got in these backpacks and all this, and y'all going to have to come and get me because I'm fighting back. Because he was very, he was very upset. So, and I told them, and I said, y'all hire me, this is cool, but just know if somebody try to fight me, I'm going to whip their ass. I'm going to yeah. fight. I'm going to fight. <laughs> if they try me, you gotta do. they put their hands on me, I'm so, with it. I'm with the I'm with it. She's ready, as yes. you might say. Yes. <laughs> they got to touch me first, though. So you better knock me out. You better knock me out. Once you touch me, it's on. It's a wrap. It's, it's a wrap. It's on. That's what my mama taught me. Coming up, Tiffany Haddish is very, very famous for her funny stories about celebrities. If you didn't know this already, just Google these words. Tiffany Haddish, Jada Pinkett Smith, Groupon. When we come back, Tiffany shares another celebrity story. This one about Nicolas Cage. And trust me, it is one for the ages. I'm Jesse Thorne. Why did Cola Scola write a bonkers, extremely fictionalized play about Mary Todd Lincoln? Well, you know, it was 2020 and we were all so isolated. I, I just started doing research. Uh, but the truth is, I, no, I just thought of it. We'll talk about that and more on Bullseye from MaximumFun.org and NPR. Do you ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. This week on NPR's Life Kit, financial independence. We want to help you work towards financial freedom, wherever you're at. Concentrate right now on what you can do to better your finances, to prepare for that next crisis. Not out of fear, but out of preparation. Listen now to the Life Kit podcast from NPR. You're doing voiceover work in Tuca and Birdie. You're doing prank stuff in Bad Trip. You've done other movies that are scripted. Uh, what is the hardest type of acting for you? <laughs> She's like, none of it's hard. I, I, I'm good at all of it. No, there's, there's some hard acting. Um, so I did a movie with... Uh, it's going to be coming out, I think, this year um, with um, Nicolas Cage. And Wait, shut up. Yeah, I did a movie He's with Nicolas OG. Cage called... Um, oh, my God. I don't know if they're going to keep that name, but I think it's called The um, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. And he's amazing, right? He's like, oh, amazing, mind-blowing. He's good at what he does. He's been doing it a long time. And I felt like it was the hardest thing for me to do in acting mm -hmm. is to act... When I don't know who I'm acting with or I haven't met who I'm acting with and I have a story to tell that person, but yeah. I have to be in this character. But my brain is like, you got to tell them, you better tell them, you got to. It's so like, I got this thing, you know, like I, if I see something, I say it, but we're doing yeah. this thing and I don't know Nicholas Cage and he seemed to be like the kind of guy that's like, all right, so now we're going to do this thing and you know, this is how it goes. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh. Yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> and it's like, uh, I've been watching you my whole the life. Gel Bond? Six things. Like, it's like, as soon as you're there, yeah. it's on. And it's like, I'm not ready yet. She's not ready. Because I had to tell Was him this Was he cool, story. though? 
He was cool. He, you could tell he was getting irritated. And then I was like, look, I'm really intimidated by you. And I need to tell you something. He was like, you, Tiffany Haddish, intimidated? It's like, I have to tell you this story, man. And once I tell you the story, it'll be fine. So I tell him the story. And then everything was fine. Can you tell me the story? When um, I was in, I was 17. Is this a story I should tell? This might be inappropriate. Yes. Yeah, do it, do it. Tell an inappropriate story. That was what it was a debate of that too. Should I tell Nicholas Cage this? Is this, in, this is inappropriate though. I think I don't know. I don't want him to hit me with the sexual harassment, but I got to tell him. And he thought I it was hilarious. So basically, I was at the movie theater seeing Face Off. I was about 17 years old on a date with this guy, and um, nobody else was in the theater really. It was just us in the back of the theater, and we started to make out. We started making out and stuff, and then. Um, it was my first time being fiddled with. I will say like that. Okay? And as I was, thank you, Nicholas Cage. As I was achieving a um, momentous moment that I had never experienced in my life, um, I opened my eyes, and the eyes of Nicholas Cage are looking into my eyes, super big, right? So, um, and that was my first, my first big. Oh, so. <laughs> So now I'm standing across from this man with those same big old eyeballs, some same eyes. They might not be massive like a movie screen big, but those are the same exact eyes. And they're looking at me in real life, in real time. And mm-hmm. all I can think about is the guy that I went to the movies with and how we were like, like you know, and we were making out and then that feeling and then how weird I feel in remembering this in front of him. And then here, there him is looking at me, and my brain is just like, "Do you remember that day? Oh my gosh, we had popcorn and we had this, and it was like, and then you were like, uh, and then his eyes are so blue, eyes are like looking at us, and then they're looking at us now. Should we be doing it right now? Like, what are we doing? <laughs> you know? And it was just like, oh, I have to tell him this story so it can go away. And when so I when told you told him, him, what did he do? He laughed super hard. And he goes, yeah. you know, my first wife, my first wife, uh, she saw me in a movie and she said she was going to marry me and we ended up getting married. I said, yeah, well, I didn't say that I was going to marry you nor <laughs> let you put your fingers anywhere on me. Okay. I'm just letting you know <laughs> that yep. that's a thought that's been running through my mind and it's keeping me from doing my job. But now that I've told you, I think this is going to be just fine. And oh, boom. My so like my, like, it is hard for me to perform it's hard for me to act in anything if there is like a mental distraction going on. Why do you, why aren't more celebrities as candid about interacting with other celebrities like you are? I guess a lot of folks because, are so cagey about this stuff. Because maybe they didn't have a good interaction with them, or maybe they're like, oh, they're afraid that nobody will want to work with them anymore. I mean, I'm not out here talking bad about anybody. I think there's some pretty amazing people and people don't know it because they don't talk about it. Um, Just the people that know them know. Um, I like to share my experiences. I love, I think that's important. And I think when people encounter me, they know that uh, Tiffany's probably going to share this. So um, (laughs) they treat, I'm, I'm treated very well. Only if you have been mean, nasty and rude. And I think that's because, that's who they are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't talk about I, them. They don't get to shine with the haddish. You understand? <laughs> shine with the haddish. You know, all these stories about you having fun with adults, with actors. You also host Kids Say the Darnest Thing on yeah. CBS. And it seems as if you like the kids, too. 
They're pretty fun I mean, to talk to. Let me be honest with you. I enjoy being around kids sometimes more than adults because they're more like they lie. Kids lie, but they're pretty honest, too. You know, um, they're emotionally honest. They can't hide their emotions. They cannot hide their emotions. And I'm really good at reading people, especially kids. And they make me laugh. And also, I feel like uh, I feel like sometimes I'm a kid. And to be around them reminds me that I'm not the, the kid that I see in my head, but I am a kid in some ways. So how many kids do you want? I was thinking, okay, and tell me if I'm crazy, but I was thinking about getting about four or five of them. Uh, You're crazy. Some, oh, no, You're crazy. On some, no, on some Josephine Baker type stuff. Now, I get them older. Five and up. Okay. Okay. Five okay. to 13. Okay. okay. Uh, so they could be, you know, they could talk to me. They could tell me what's going on with them. I was hanging out this past weekend with some of my friends who they were adopted and they're telling me their story. And then turns out like his wife and her friend and her sister, they were adopted as well. And huh. they were telling me their adoption story. And I was like, Wow. First of all, I've known you all these years, and I didn't know that you were. I didn't know that she was adopted, and um, she's from Russia. And they were telling me how like they have a ballet that they were in, and they had to like sing and dance and stuff, and they would come to America and perform, it, and people would pick them. And I was like, Oh Are my you god! Serious? Yes, people wow. would pick them. I was like, This is crazy. And this was like in the nineties. This is not a like a long time ago, like that long ago. Wow. And I was like. Oh my goodness, because it's so expensive. It's so ex- like I'm like going through the process, and it is crazy process and yeah. kind of expensive, and doesn't make sense. She's like, "You should go overseas. You should go overseas." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I could definitely go to Africa and adopt." And she was like, "No, I was talking about Russia or the U- Ukraine." I was like, "Do you would you know get a white how- kid?" Yes, but I'm like, okay. the world would probably ask. turn up. They would probably go bananas. Like. Because what celebrity have you seen? Black celebrity, have you ever seen adopt a white baby? I've never seen it. I mean, but you, I could be like, oh, would you like to have some babies for me? I could get somebody to have babies for me, I guess. But I'm, I think now I'm no, no cap. I would adopt any kind of a child. It doesn't matter if they're black or whatever. But I've, you know, the way that they talk to me at the agency. Um, the adoption people, they make it seem like it's like, no, that's not an option. So the only yeah, option, it feels babies. like the only option is black for me. That's what it feels like the option is, or maybe yeah. mixed. That's what it feels yeah. like the way they talk to me. But like I tell them, anyone will do, you know, five to 13 is where I'm looking. Yeah. All right. There you go. There you go. My favorite moment, speaking of you and kids, was when you were hosting the show with the kids on CBS and you find out while filming with the kids that you won a Grammy for best comedy. Yeah, album. I've been nominated a couple of times for some things. But I just And won I a Grammy. love I just what? You just won a you Grammy. I just love being nominated. I just I just won a Grammy? No. I just are you are you serious? I'm not lying. I'm telling you the truth. I mean, wait, wait, wait. Oh, well, you see, y'all see this? It's still like one of the just purest emotional moments I've seen in a long time. How was that moment? Because you find out you win this Grammy for Best Comedy Album, which hasn't happened for a black woman in, like, 30, 35 years yeah. since Whoopi. the 80s, yes. 
and you process that in real time in front of these kids. How was that? That moment, that moment um, on Kids Say when I was, um, when I I found out I won the Grammy was huge for me. And it was so historical and so important that it happened at that moment, right? Um, I did not think it was going to happen at all. So I wasn't really. really, Who did you think was going to win? Jerry Seinfeld or Bill Burr. Like, I would like it to have been, like, if if I was going to lose, I would like it to have been to Bill Burr. Because I think he yeah. is yeah. one of the funniest comics I know. He deserves it. Like, I think he's amazing. Um, but for uh, <laughs> for me to win, I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah, and then cool. I'm I'm here with these two beautiful little brown girls. You know, and they're seeing this happen, and I'm trying to compose myself. Can I tell you why I'm crying? Why? It's a lot of bumpy roads that you cross, right? And it's a lot of times you feel like, well, am I doing the right thing? Is this really, is this good enough? Am I good enough? Am I strong enough to do this job? And then you just have to believe in yourself as much as you can. And it- Like, there's a part of me that wants to fall out on the floor and be like, well, like, you know, and cry really yeah. hard because... I worked so hard. I worked in a, in, for so long. And to be recognized by my peers, like, uh, we approve of this, Tiffany, you're great. Like, that's huge. And then in, for it not to have happened for so many years, right? That's, like, yeah. insane. And, and it's a category that's been around from the beginning. Yeah. Do you think so, it's getting better for women in comedy? I think so. I'm hoping so. It feels like it is. I feel like if the women look out for each other more, like it just in in all aspects, if women just started supporting each other more like men do, I feel like, man, you guys like really look out for each other. Coming up, Tiffany stays busy for a very good reason. On this week's Wild Card, we talk with Issa Rae about those moments where our lives could have gone another direction. Definitely wasn't supposed to be with that guy at all. At all. But I still think about it. I'm Rachel Martin. Issa Rae tells us how to make peace with the path not taken. That's on the Wild Card podcast from NPR, the game where cards control the conversation. What's happening on NPR Podcasts? More neighborhoods and more perspectives. The more of the world that you hear, the more you hear the world as it really is. NPR Podcasts. More voices, all ears. Find NPR wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. You have said in interviews that you want to make 80 films by the time you're 50. That's a lot. Where do you think that drive comes from? Because a lot of folks are like, let me do enough movies to make enough money to sit my butt down. Well, well, here goes my thing. 80 films, I don't necessarily have to be in all of them, and they don't all have to be great. I want to make 80, though, because I just feel like that will create a lot of jobs for people. Every time you make a movie, Mm. it's anyway, the smallest crew could be 50, and the largest crew could be like 500 people. That's how many jobs are you creating? How much generational wealth are you creating when you get to tell a story and give other people opportunity to tell that story with you? So that's why. 
Well, that's really nice. At first, I would, first, when first people would ask me that, I would just be like, oh, it's just something I want to do. Because I was like scared to be like, I want to give people jobs. I want to see us working. I want to see our stories. And at first, I was scared to say that a lot because I thought like, oh, somebody like... Like they try to put this ideal in your mind, like the the, the, the white man upstairs, the man upstairs, it's going to block you. He's going to keep you from, when you talk about you want to get black people jobs, you talk about you want to do the integrate and all that, they're going to block you. And what I realize is it's not nobody blocking you, but you, right? And nobody the white guy that we imagined you. usually isn't even there. And sometimes a white guy that we imagine who wants to say no is looking at us and saying, oh, there's dollars here. Yeah. Black folks spend And we'd money like to too. make some of those dollars with you. Um, <laughs> yes. So what yes. is he trying to do? What it, okay, mm-hmm. I don't understand it completely, but this is, okay, so this is what your people are into though, right? I'm willing to invest in that. I'm willing to, I'm, yes. I want to see. Yeah. It does feel like a moment where like finally these studios and these power players in the industry are realizing that black and brown people spend money to be entertained and you should be making stuff that caters to them. And you know what's weird, Tiffany? It feels like there are waves and ebbs and flows. I feel like when I was a kid in the early 90s, there were so many black sitcoms, so many black movies. It was everywhere. And then it went away. And now it seems like some of it's coming back. I don't know. Like, how do you feel? I mean, like, big picture, do you think the industry is just, like, getting more of us? Well, big picture, let's just look at the history of television the history of television yeah right so it starts out very very white then like the 70s come along and black exploitation movies and films tv shows come out right that kind of Mm -hmm. saves hollywood the black exploitation run saves Hollywood, saves the movie industry saves the you know different tv stuff so then oh okay all right so there's a market here okay we can we get we get our money up we get to where we're good well let's go back to what we know let's go back to what we know Oh, shoot. We're falling off. We're falling off. We're falling off. Ah! Let's get back to black. Let's get back to black. <laughs> get back to black. Back to black. Well, I remember when, like, UPN started. Like, UPN, UPN was the CW. Remember that? CW. With a little black frog mascot dancing around. And they were so black, so black, so black, until they didn't have to be. And then it was like, Felicity. And then, yes, then it changes. So it's like... yeah. We can't get comfortable just because we see us and then don't request anything else. We have to keep keep putting in those requests, keep creating, keep keep the content going. And now there's no excuse. There's so many outlets. There's thousands of TV stations. There's so many. There's YouTube. There's all these different streaming things. There's so many avenues for us to create and tell our stories. There's even streaming sites that are Black-owned, Africa-based, whatever, that we could be putting our content content up. And as long as we keep watching it and supporting it, they'll keep making more. When we're not supporting, they're like, well, we're not making no money off of this. What what are we we doing this for? There you go. I agree. I agree. I like that. So then I know we're talking about Black movies, Black art, Black productivity, but I will say... You talk a lot about Meryl Streep and how much you like her. Y'all do a movie together. What's it about? Okay, so I got a few options. I got like six. Okay, you've thought about this. You've thought about. I don't want to give all. I don't want to give all the juice away. But we could do one where she's a coach of sorts. Okay, okay. I want to just say she's a coach, and um, I'm being coached by her. We could do that. Life or- coach, sports coaching. 
You name it. You name okay. it. Okay. Okay. I'll All take right. her guidance. I'll take her. It could be a doula. Okay. She could be my doula. <laughs> babies. Who knows? Wow. It could I be on some, that movie. It could be some witchcraft stuff. She teaching me how to, you know, heal some old, some crazy vortex that's been created in 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 the universe that's that's hurting people of color and she shows me how to fix the vortex and you know heal the heal the nation i don't know or yeah or she play my mama right okay so this in my mind this is what this is what it is okay Explain so that. Dad, so she marries my dad right my dad um is single dad raising me she marries my dad turns out though she more, how should I say, sassy uh-huh. Uh-huh. Than, than you would think, right? And so everything I learned from her. And so I'm like loud, sassy, like, hey, what's up? But it turns out I get it from my white mom. You got to call this movie White Mom. Mm-mm-mm-mm. We call it a girl's trip, too. We call it a girl's trip, too. <laughs> Mara, are you listening? Do this. I think she should. I think she should play my mama, who's like super, like, when you first meet her, you think she's so like, oh, hello, hello. And then you say something, she'd be like, what? Who is she talking to? Like, I just want to see Meryl Streep go off, okay? I just want to see Meryl Streep here go, what? <laughs> I want to say poop. I want to hit that. Hit, hit it to the left. What? Let me tell you something, okay? You messing with the wrong. I just want to see her go off. And I want to see her snatch the soul. You know, when you throw the hand out and pull it back. When you're talking yeah. to somebody, throwing the hand out, pull it back. That's soul snatching right there. That's like I'm pulling your card, hunty. We don't play this. Yes. I want to see. Well, so much of her soul snatching when she's in movies is like so restrained. Like I think of her in Devil Wears Prada. Her soul snatcher just being like, "What you don't know is that that sweater is not just blue. It's not turquoise. It's not lapis. It's actually cerulean." Like that was yeah. a snatch. She's so subtle with yeah. it, but you're saying you want to see it. But pow, I want like to see her over the top with it. Maybe we do a short film and we just get just where I'm giving, I'm coaching her on hood tactics. I just want to <laughs> see her sassy as hell. I just want to see that because I think she could do it. She could do anything. It's Meryl She Street. could do anything. She could do it. I would love to see her as a social worker who don't give a <laughs> and then she needs somebody that make her care. And that's me. Do all of these things. I like that. Have you met her before? Yes, only once. Was she sweet? <laughs> she was the best. She was the best. Aww. I ran up on her at the red carpet at the Oscars, and then I told her she's gonna be my mama one day. And she was like, "Okay." She knew who I was. She was like, <laughs> "I was like, you're gonna be my mama one day." I'm just letting you know right now. At some point in time, you're gonna be my mama on something, some kind of way, shape, or form. I don't know. Um, and she was like, okay, okay, honey. And then I did my little part on the Oscars and I said the things again that she going to be my mom. <laughs> just for one day, one day, just one day. Just for one just day. Before all of this meeting celebrities, Governor's Ball, Meryl Street business, what was the worst job you had before comedy and acting took off? Phone sex operator? I did not know you did that. Yeah. Huh. I read everything about you and didn't read that. It was only for 30 days. Okay. What was your persona? My name is Patricia. I'm Hawaiian and black. I'm a student at USC. I'm also a cheerleader. So 30 days. You didn't and, like it. And, and, and did you say, did you say, wait, can you repeat that last question again? Oh, I was asking, was 
did you like it? Like, so uh, worst job before you began acting and that. No, no, took no. Off you said that you were saying something right. about my breast size and how hard it was. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm really strong, but you're probably hard, and that's why you said that. You're so nasty. <laughs> Samuel, don't play like that. I'm blushing, Tiffany. I'm blushing. Oh my god. What did 30 days of being a phone sex operator teach you, if anything? Men are disgusting. Oh. <laughs> men are so nasty. And a lot of them are so lonely. They just want somebody to talk to. A lot of times there's not even um, sex talk going on. It's more just like, my wife is this, my job is that. Like, they don't have anybody to talk to. Men don't talk. We're not trained to talk. We're trained to do. We're not trained to talk. Right. So when they call in on this line, they just start pouring their hearts out. And it's like, whoa, men are different. They're so different. They're so different. Oh, so vulnerable. So sweet. A lot of it's very sensitive. And somebody like at work will say something to them that they don't like. And they'll be holding that all day long, all night. So like four, three o'clock in the morning and they call me and they're like, Patricia, are you there? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I just finished studying for my finals. I'm so lonely right now. Me too. I'm lonely too. Why are you lonely? Why are you lonely, Sam? You're so handsome. Thank you. Really? You think so? Yeah, you know you're handsome, Sam. (laughs) My favorite thing about you is the way you laugh when you giggle. It just... I don't know. It does something to my insides. It makes me feel so good. <laughs> yeah, that giggle right there, Sam. That's my favorite. Girl. I love it. Tiffany. I just know you're feeling some joy in your heart, right, when you giggle like that. Like, it's like, also maybe a little discomfort, but that's okay. Sometimes it's you got to be a little uncomfortable to, to change, you know? There you go. You know, we talked a little bit about, like, the work that you were doing before your career really took off in this way. But, like, it was more than just phone sex operating. Like, you, you, were, you were broke. And I remember reading about you having to sleep in your car, but you were like, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be in Beverly Hills. So you were sleeping in your car in Beverly Hills. How long was that going on? For, like, three months. Yeah, for wow. three months. Yeah. And then and it happened three different times in like three months each time. So that was like, I had to learn. I feel like that was like God teaching me, like learning to be um, humble enough not to have so much pride because I had a lot of pride and didn't want to ask for help. And I had to learn yeah. how to ask for help. Yeah. And well, and if this is correct, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin Hart ended up hooking you up with some money to get out of your car. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. He did. How much did he give you? 300 bucks. Kevin saw the stuff in my car and was like, what's going on with you? And I was like trying to be real, you know, like not really asking for help or anything. And he would not leave me alone about it. And I told him what was going on. And he gave me 300 bucks and said, get yourself a hotel room for the week and figure out what you're going to do. Like make a, a list of goals. Get yourself a list of goals and start attack, attacking those goals every day. Do at least one thing for each goal, right? And um, and I was like, where am I going? So what hotel can I stay in for a whole week for three hundred dollars in LA? No, not a nice one. Not a nice one. Yeah, not a nice one. Definitely not a nice one. Not even not even a bad one. Not for three hundred dollars for the week. But I you mean, found something. But I found a 
hourly spot. So I went there, mm. you know, the Momo. Mm. Yeah. Took an hour, <laughs> wrote out everything, took a little nap or whatever, and then I was out. And then it's like everything started to come through, like stuff started happening slowly. What but was surely. the first goal you wrote down? Do you remember? Get a place to live. That's a good goal. That's a good goal. Yeah. If you could talk now to that Tiffany Haddish, sleeping in the car, getting a room by the hour, trying to figure out her goals, what would you, in your wisdom now, tell her? I would tell her to um, don't worry as so much. Don't worry so much. Stay yeah. focused, right? You're going to find a place. Don't get married. don't get married thanks again to actress and comedian Tiffany Haddish she is the voice of the character Tuca in the animated series Tuca and Birdie which is now airing on Adult Swim also Tiffany Haddish hosts two shows because she stays busy Kids Say the Darndest Things on CBS and Friday Night Vibes on TBS and Tiffany starred in my favorite movie this year Bad Trip on Netflix go watch it right now trust me on this one Listeners, you can also watch an extended version, director's cut of this interview, where you'll see both of our faces, me and Tiffany. Just go to youtube.com slash NPR. All right, listeners, I'm going to tell you a secret. For the next few weeks, I'm going to be gone. I'm taking three weeks of vacation all at once. I've never done this before in my life. I'm so excited and also so scared. This episode you're hearing now, it's actually publishing as I'm already out on vacation. Uh, But till I get back, the following episodes for the next few weeks, they'll be hosted by my friend and NPR colleague, Aisha Roscoe. She'll begin hosting this Friday, and uh, she'll do it for a few weeks after that. Be nice to her, okay? All right, this episode of It's Been a Minute was produced by Andrea Gutierrez, and it was edited by Jordana Hochman. Also, special thanks to the NPR video crew, Searing Bista, Nikolai Hammer, and Nick Michael. All right, listeners, till we meet again, be good to yourselves. I'm Sam Sanders. We'll talk soon. When the economic news gets to be a bit much... Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money. We're here for you, like your friends, trying to figure out all the most confusing parts. One story, one idea, every day. All in 10 minutes or less. The Indicator from Planet Money, your friendly economic sidekick. From NPR. Jasmine Morris here from the StoryCorps podcast. Our latest season is called My Way. Stories of people who found a rhythm all their own and marched to it throughout their lives. Consequences and other people's opinions be damned. You won't believe the courage and audacity in these stories. Hear them on the StoryCorps podcast from NPR. Summer is for going to the movie theater because it's too hot to stay home. It's for driving with the windows down, listening to your favorite music. It's for stretching out while you're on vacation to gobble up a TV show. For a guide to some of the TV, movies, and music we are most excited about this summer, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR.